0: Jacob and Wilhelm Grimm wrote books about the German language. They were academicians. They studied law, but we remember them best for their stories, their fairy tales, right? Grimm's Brothers' fairy tales. And and some of them are just so famous, Disney's put them into movies and such. But there, there was one simply called The Old Grandfather and His Grandson. It was a short story. You may be familiar with it. I kind of gravitate to stories now with grandfather in the title, hoping that the grandfather will be the hero of the story. This story, however, goes down a slightly different path. It's a poignant story. It's not a humorous story. It's one with a punch, and it opens with these words. Once upon a time, they all open with those words, there was a very, very old man. His eyes had grown dim his ears deaf, and his knees shook. When he sat at the table, he could scarcely hold a spoon. He spilled soup on the tablecloth, and besides that, some of the soup would run back out of his mouth. Let me just tell you the rest of the story. The old man's son and daughter-in-law were so disgusted at his behavior that they decided to move grandfather away from the table, and they put him in a corner, and they gave him his bowl and spoon, and when he could no longer hold his bowl... They built him a trough and put his food in a trough so he could eat it out of the trough. The grandson missed Grandpa at the table. He was sad, and Grandfather smiled at him through his tears. One day, the father heard his little boy out at the woodshop, banging and pounding with a hammer on pieces of wood, and the father went out to see what his son was doing, and he says, "'Boy, what are you building?' And the little boy said, I am building a trough for you and mother when you grow old. The story, for me, makes an intriguing introduction to commandment number five. Would you read it with me out loud? Honor your father and your mother. So that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you now, I realize that some of you didn 't have fathers and mothers that would make that easy. You may be thinking, well, I, I never even knew my parents. Who do I honor? Some of you might say, "I, I was raised by my grandparents. I, I uh, didn 't know my folks well, or my folks gave them to my grandparents gave me to my grandparents. Does this then apply to my grandparents? What, what about my real mom and dad? Some I know grew up in foster homes. They never really knew family love at all. Does this even apply to you if you grew up in foster homes? Some might say my parents were mean and abusive and anything but a godly example. How in the world can I honor them? Now, th- Those are really good questions. And, and I'm hoping that that the minority of the stories are these. It is true, some children have suffered greatly as a result of their parents' lousy judgment, neglect, and sinful choices in life. And I would suggest to you that if, if you grew up in that kind of an environment, that godless parents do not deserve the honor and the respect of this commandment. As a matter of fact, when a parent was found guilty of abusing or molesting a child under the Old Testament law, the penalty was death. So make no mistake about it, God understands the extreme importance of parenthood and the incredible value of the life of a child. Why do you think he so often used this description in Scripture for himself? He identifies himself so often as a heavenly father because he knows the role of a parent. From the very beginning of time, parenthood has been God's creative illustration of His love for us, His children. On the other hand, some kids want to blame their parents for everything. A therapist tells them that they have some dysfunction in their life, and they immediately conclude it's their parents' fault. More than likely, it's your fault and your own lousy choices, I'm here to tell you, there are no perfect parents. There are no perfect children either. Grandchildren, that's a different story. (laughs) So why don't you put the fun back into dysfunctional and take ownership for your own choices that you've made that really don't reflect your parents' values at all? Don't be looking for a scapegoat for everything that's wrong in your life. Now, in an effort to understand this commandment, number five, we need to understand the difference between family life then and family life now. And it looks a whole lot different than it did in Moses' day. It even looks a whole lot different than it did in Jesus' day. Homes and families in the Old Testament were, well, they, they were more crowded at that day and time. Now, for most of us, at least when I was growing up, many people still dreamed of, uh, of a father and a mother and 2.4 children living in a single-family household. That was kind of the dream. But neither the Hebrew language nor the Greek language, the two languages of the Bible, have a word for that. Now, there are words that we describe or translate as home or household, but, but they, they don't describe that picture Uh, In the Old Testament, the first word describes the wide-ranging network of blood relatives. In our English language, the closest word we can come to describe that would be the word clan. Our clan or our kin from all across the the board. That's our closest English word, clan. The second word is is better used and translated household. This this word in, in the Hebrew language described a a household that included parents, grandparents, children, unmarried aunts, widowed uncles, and you go down the list. Because in that day and time, you didn't separate out into individual little families. You, you, you lived together, what we would call today our extended family. Most families in that day and time lived in small, dried mud block dwellings, Uh, Flat roofs, uh, stairs to go up to the outside, it gave him extra room. If you had a daughter, when she married, she moved to her husband's family's home because that's where his work was. Young men grew up as apprentices to their father and they continued the family trade. And maybe they built on an extra room to the house as the household would grow. It is believed that Jesus, as a young man, worked as a carpenter because that's what Joseph Was It was his trade. Grandparents stayed in the home. As a matter of fact, the house may have been the grandparents to begin with, or it may have been their grandparents three three generations back. You see, houses came down through the family as the family expanded, and as older generation died and younger generations came along, it was a household. It's not the same picture we have today. But today isn't even the same picture that it used to be. Adult children may live in other communities today, other states, even other countries. Family businesses are fewer and farther between now. Young men and young women don't grow up and become apprentices to their parents. They may go off and create their own life. The whole makeup of families is changing as well. In Monroe County, our statistics are a bit skewed due to the university, so they're a little out of balance compared with the rest of the country, but you'd be surprised where the rest of the country is. 59%, 59% of our population is single, widowed, or divorced compared with 41% who are married here in Monroe County. And of those households with children, two-thirds are married couples, and one-third of them are single-parent homes. As a matter of fact, the traditional nuclear family, what we describe as a father and a mother and 2.4 children, account for just one-fifth, just one-fifth, 20% now of all households in America. And according to our last census in 2010, that is the only type of household to decline. All other household descriptions have risen the iconic American household type nationwide in the last decade has lost one and a quarter million families like that, even Indiana. In the state of Indiana, we're kind of toward the bottom of the, of the pack, actually. We've lost 11%, 11% of that kind of family units in our state. Now, the state's only declined one half of 1%, so it's, uh, you know, it, it's not a balanced issue at all. More and more grandparents are raising their grandchildren, not by choice, but out of necessity. Now, now why have so many changes taken place in our own culture and, and traditions? Well, part of it's the mobility of our society, the ease of travel, and where the jobs are. That, that has divided families and sent sons and daughters to faraway places. Secondly, I think there is a a change of emphasis. There seems to be a greater focus on an individual's wants than on what the family needs or what's important for the family as a whole. Thirdly, some are looking for something more exciting and concluded that this traditional family picture... Is, is boring or passe, and that may certainly be part of it. And fourthly, today people struggle with the whole issue of commitment. Commitment to marriage, commitment to parenting, commitment to helping extended family, commitment to work, you, you name it. We struggle today with the issue of commitment in general. And while it is true that family dynamics have changed drastically through the years, this commandment still applies to all of us. It still stands. So let's take a look at commandment number 5 and what it has to say to those of us living in the 21st century. Now Now please remember that the Ten Commandments aren't just found in the book of Exodus chapter 20. They are also repeated again in the book of Deuteronomy. So I'm going to read it as it is repeated in Deuteronomy. Then I want to read two passages in the New Testament that reflect the very same thing. Okay, Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 16 says this, Honor your father and mother as the Lord your God has commanded you so that you may live long and that it may go well with you in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Ephesians chapter 6, the Apostle Paul writes, Children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Paul writes to the Colossian church in chapter 3, verse 20, Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Now the word honor, as we've seen in the past, grows out of the root word that means to be heavy. In other words, it means to give weight to or to give importance to. So when you honor your parents, you give importance to them, and it is that honor then that is to guide your relationship, that respect for what and who they are. And honor does not end when we leave the home. Honor for your parents is a lifelong responsibility. The word obey means to listen under. It carries the idea of when you listen, you listen with the intent to understand so that you can act upon what you've understood. So when these passages talk about honor and obey, it carries with it that important meaning. So let me give you a few good reasons why we should honor and obey our parents at any age, at any stage. We ought to honor them because parents stand in the place of God to their children. Now notice, I did not say that parents take the place of God for their children. I said they stand in the place of God. In other words, they are an intermediary. They are an advocate. They are an ambassador on God's behalf to their children. Parents Teach, protect, provide, and and nurture their children. The, The very qualities that God wants to do for us, parents do for little children till they get them growing up to adulthood. They ground them in what is right and wrong. What's more, the Bible says when we honor our parents, God is pleased. That makes God happy when we do it that way. Here's another reason why we ought to honor our parents. Parents have their children's best interest at heart. Now, I know if you're a kid this morning, that may be hard to realize at times. You know, we've all, we all grew up with our parents doing things that just we really didn't like at all. We couldn't figure it out. I don't know how many times I heard, you know, in, in the course of being disciplined, this hurts me worse than it hurts you. That never made sense to me at all until I became a parent. Then I got it, okay? You know, and so when you're a kid and you're looking at Just remember, when you don't understand why your parents are doing what they're doing for you, it's that they have your ultimate good in mind, what's best ultimately for you. We ought to honor our parents because obedience opens up the way to God's grace. How do you expect God to answer your prayers if you're delinquent in obeying God's commands? When you say, God, I want you to give me what I ask for, but I have no intention of of doing what you ask of me. I mean, how does that compute? answer my prayers, God, but I don't want to do what you've told me to do. So when we honor our parents, it opens up again the avenue of God's grace. And perhaps for me the strongest one is that Jesus honored his earthly parents, and he is an example worth following. His very first miracle was prompted by what his mother said to the servants at a wedding feast. His last act of family compassion came from the cross just shortly before he died, and it was to provide for his mother's care after his death. Don't you know that throughout his whole life, Jesus had been caring for his mother after the death of his earthly stepfather, Joseph. It's the right thing to do, Paul says, and Jesus always did the right thing. If you don't need any other reason than just seeing this is the example of Christ and we ought to follow his example. Now you may be thinking, okay, I get why I should honor him, but the, but the question in my mind is how do I really show honor? I mean, do I need to go out and buy them a gift? Is that, is that the way I honor my parents? <laughs> I, I always get a chuckle out of this scene from the Andy Griffith show. This is the episode where Barney buys his first car if some of you remember that episode, and, and he's sitting on the porch with Andy, and he reminisces about the, the previous biggest purchase in his life. Just just, just watch it. <laughs> Do you ever feel that way in life? I, I try. You know, you want, you want to be a good kid. You want to buy the, the best gifts for, for parents. Well, a nice gift is a, is a way to honor your parents, un, unless unless that gift is some kind of a guilt offering for what you've done, or unless you're trying to butter up mom and dad because there's something that you want from them. Kids, i got news for you. Your parents are not as dumb as you think they are, and they can see through the guises and the twists. If you want to honor them with a gift, then make sure the gift is heartfelt. I love every gift that I get from my kids, but I will tell you the store-bought gifts, while always nice, aren't nearly as important as some of the other gifts that you can receive from your children. Here's some better ways to honor your parents. Be respectful and loving in your speech. Talk nicely to them. Speak words of encouragement to your parents. When our girls or guys pay me some kind of a compliment, i got to tell you, it's, it's like treasure to me. I'd rather have that than anything they could buy at the store. When Addie wraps her arms around my leg and says, I love you so much, that's better than gold. Those kinds of encouraging words mean more to a parent than anything you can buy them. Take time to write your parents a note. Thank them for what they've done in your life. Share your favorite memory that you have with them. Whether, you know, it, it may be a vacation, it may be something that you did together, it may be something funny or ridiculous that happened. Give them your appreciation, and I guarantee they will treasure that note and keep it close by and read it often because that, that's a gift that goes beyond anything that you can find in the catalog or anything you can find online to order them. Elsie and I have saved every note that the girls ever wrote us. I just never could throw one of those away. It's a gift. Here's another way to honor your parents that is, be a person of integrity and character. The commandment is phrased in the positive honor your father and your mother, but the adverse or the negative of that is just as true. Don't do anything to dishonor your parents. Sometimes we don't think of it in those terms. You be a person of integrity and character. Live in such a way that how you act and live brings honor to your parents. I'll tell you something that's an encouragement to, to a parent, and that is when somebody outside of your family comes up to you as, as a dad or a mom and says, your child, your son or your daughter really helped me today. Oh, my goodness. You talk about a gift. When, when I hear something like that, I, I just am thrilled to, to the core of my being. To know that your children have grown up into responsible, loving adults is a tremendous story. So sons and daughters of any age, remember that the best gifts you can give your parents is to live a life of nobility, godly character, integrity. Because when you live in that way, it reflects on your whole family and your family name. Here's another way to honor your parents. Be willing to someday return the favor. The day may come when you find yourself having to take care of your folks. The day may come when there is a reversal of roles, when your parents, in their aged state, become the child and you, the child, become the parent. Now, that's not easy, but sometimes it's necessary. Sometimes if I do something for the girls, they'll say, Dad, you didn't have to do that for me. And my response has been, oh, don't don't worry about it, girls. Just put me in a nice home someday. That has become a standing joke in our family. Just put me in a nice home someday. There is some truth to that. We none know what the golden years or the final years of our life may be. There may come a time. I hope it's not true. You hope it's not true as you grow older, but you don't have any control over that, that your child may have to become the caretaker of your life in some form or fashion. Do your best. It is your last gift of honor to your parents. My grandmother was in a nursing facility for the last 17 years of her life. During that time, I I don't know that grandma knew me. There was never Anyway, to be sure of that, she could not communicate that she knew who I was. But I have such a deep respect for my mother because during that 17 years, with very few exceptions, mom made it out to see grandma every day and would feed her. That's honoring your parents to the very end. Wasn't fun, and it wasn't easy, but it was right, and it is what family does. Honoring your parents at all ages and all stages. Do you know that between 100,000 and 200,000 elderly people are left on the doorsteps of hospitals every year by children who no longer want to care for them? That's a tragic picture. And I'm also convinced this morning that, that this command goes much deeper than our mere earthly parents. The whole concept of respect for authority in general begins at home. The scripture teaches us to respect and revere the Lord But the Lord knew that respecting Him wouldn't happen if you didn't first respect the authority of your earthly parents. Honoring our Heavenly Father grows out of our ability to honor our earthly father and mother. When I see young people who show very little regard and respect for authority roles, especially their parents, then I know that they aren't going to be able to really honor God the way they should because it hasn't been taught or modeled for them. As a matter of fact, I'm not sure we can really love God and respect and honor God if you have never loved your parents or respected them. Now, if you grew up with good parents, you, you can learn to respect. I, I understand there are some who don't grow up with good parents. If you didn't grow up with godly good parents, I, I'm sorry you didn't have that experience. I, I hurt for you. But you can break the chain now. Don't keep living under the fact, well, this is who I am, this is the way they were. Break the chain now. You become a parent that your children or your future grandchildren can respect and honor. You change the course of the rest of history for your family line. You see, the Ten Commandments are not listed randomly, folks. Their ordered structure is significant. If you don't get the first four commandments, which teaches how to love God and honor God, you won't get the last six, which teaches how to love and honor each other. And that honor for the rest of these five commandments begins with commandment number five. If you love and respect your parents, then that will translate to other people and to other authority figures. And and, I want you to know this. Loving God increases our capacity to love others. That's why the first four come as they do. If you don't get those, the last six, they're, they're hard to do. I didn't say you could never love anyone if you don't love God. I just said the capacity to love is increased by your love of God. As a matter of fact, I might even go so far as to suggest you can't really understand love until you get to know God, because the Bible says God is love. This principle is well illustrated in the life of the famous 19th century missionary to China, Hudson Taylor, who created the China Inland Mission Someone once excitedly said to him, You must really love the Chinese people. That's why you went to China as their missionary. And Hudson Taylor kind of paused and thought about that for a moment, and then he carefully shook his head slowly and he said, No, not because I love the Chinese so much, but because I love God so much first. Hudson Taylor went out of his love for Christ. And fell in love with the Chinese people to whom he ministered and served for 51 years. He died in China and was buried there. But his love for the Chinese people began first with his love for God. See how it works? Loving God only increases our capacity to love others. One last thought. This commandment has a promise. Did you notice it? It says blessings come to those who obey, that you may, may, it may go well for you, that you may live long in the land. Now, I, I don't want this to sound like a guarantee that if you respect your mom and dad and you honor them, that you'll not have any problems in life and that you'll live to the ripe old age of, of 98 and a half. There's no no guarantee like that. But the, the promise is this. The odds are better that you'll live healthier, that you'll live longer, that things will go better for you if you respect your parents as they model for you God's love and God's word. This is a powerful passage from the book of Proverbs, chapter 4, verses 10 through 13. This is how it reads. My child, listen to me and do as I say, And you will have a long, good life. I will teach you wisdom's ways and lead you in straight paths. If you live a life guided by wisdom, you won't limp or stumble as you run. Carry out my instructions. Don't forsake them. Guard them, for they will lead you to a fulfilled life. If you are a godly parent, then you lead your children that way. If you didn't have godly parents, then you change the course and you lead your family that way, because that sets the stage forever. Remember the story at the beginning, the Grimm's brothers, the grandfather and the grandson? This is how the story ends. When the father saw the boy building this trough for he and his wife to eat out when they got old, he realized what he'd done to his own dad. So that night at the supper table, they moved grandpa from the corner, got rid of the trough, put him back at the table, and there he stayed through the rest of his life. And the grandfather and the grandson were happy again. It's a good ending to the story. I I, I hope it's that kind of good ending in your life as you learn what this commandment means throughout our lives. It's time we consider our actions toward those who are family. And the first place we start is in the household of God loving the Heavenly Father with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength.